0: Welcome to House Common Blood, where strangers are family. Every episode may contain graphic content, such as copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, infantile to mortal, fantasy drug use, nudity, and perhaps mentions sex, and sound effects of various qualities. We cannot stress enough that this is ma- mature content with adult-adult-adult themes. You have been warned. Oh geez, where are my tools?
1: Last time during our uh, session, after a game of chess in the unseen public, the party's victory enthralls like a uh, uh, Jean Le bon, a Deathlock, On this chess board between uh, two gi- uh, gigantic beings, Ball, the god of murder, and a gold-striped giant, the ignomatic uh, giant greets the party with uh, familiarity and tells them that the ocean by Drogue Port is a product of demon's blood after a war. And that there is a flood that rises with each murder, and the, essentially the entire populace is hatred and fear. Even more curious, he mentions that the seven nations are contending for each other's thrones, but people truly responsible for trying to start this oncoming war are aiming to take a ninth throne called the Empty Throne of God. Near the end of his warning, he asks the party if they wish to be in control of their own fate, or to live in blissful ignorance, as life repeats itself. Ordon being the only one in the party that takes the latter. After that, they're marked with a uh, golden ruin on each each person's uh, part of their body. Uh, once the party leaves unseen public, they hatch a plan to draw out the Black King by staging an impromptu execution of P1. They fail at the build-up of the fake confrontation, but successfully create the illusion of burning P1 alive. Meanwhile, Asmundi unknowingly enters the Church of Nahash, where the priest Gideon Irondrake. The one responsible for physically changing an orphan into a partial dragon and raising a mob to destroy the Jade Hills is recruited by Aspidae to the Crimson Fist's cause under the condition that he could have essentially his own sanctuary in their future territory where they have freedom of religion under their watch. The session ends with Jean receiving a black origami uh, beetle, a message from Roland Summers the previous Black King. I assume that we start back off with Gene LeBon. This, what, what did I say he looked like? What was the actor? It was uh, Steve Buscemi. There we go. The Steve Buscemi looking guy. Opening up a little black note in the form of a wiggling beetle. And it's very simple. It just says, I want to meet up. And he looks towards uh, P1 and tells him, I think our plan was a success.
2: So, well then, at the very least, we got his attention. Uh, just, uh, I'm not sure how long it was before like, uh, this actually happened. Just like, uh, probably just like uh, trying his best to uh, clean up his uh, maybe sewer, uh, sewer smelled clothes. It's like, nope,
1: nope. Nope. <laughs> That's not coming off. That stain's permanent, and the clothes are ruined.
3: <laughs> Again, this is why you do armor. It's much easier to clean. I'm like, armor or not, it, does,
2: it, pays, it pays to at least look a little bit fashionable.
1: So, I think at uh, this point, he... Uh, Jean LeBon just walks towards the table. You guys are in the dining room in this estate. And he... I would assume sit right next to uh, p one and ask him what kind of message should I send back? Should we have him meet us here?
2: Uh, well, if we're hoping to avoid any undue suspicion, uh, where would you two normally meet up for any sort of uh, conversation of sorts?
1: The conference room.
2: So Well, that just seems just as good a place as any, don't you think, everyone? Asim and I will shrug.
1: Well, and T basically cups uh his chin and says well it is an excellent option there's no windows one uh one door to escape if our plan is to capture him or kill him it'd be the perfect room to do so
2: i guess the main question would be then uh actually you know what bring us to the conference room
1: and everyone look at the map what i'm showing you right here is the laban estate and this is the first level of it at the very center we see a courtyard behind to the north of the courtyard is uh, the n- the study essentially where uh P-1 and uh gene laban played a game of chess the conference room is to the west right over here and where you guys usually eat dinner with uh, windows and all that is to the uh, southwest of uh, the building. Then we have a... What's the proper word? Um, I'm trying to... What what the hell would an entrance hall be called? A uh, foyer?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That would be at the strict west. Then we have a simple uh, bedding to uh, the east. Two hallways. You guys can set this up however you wish. Uh, I have the doors around the estate in purple. Or pink. Why do I always do that? Every time I see pink, I just say purple. Um, Just to uh, make it clear where entrances are and exits are. So, he uh, uh, brings you down the corridor. And as you guys approach the conference room, he opens it up and you guys see an immaculate uh, chandelier made of, uh, I would say, black metal to accentuate the orbs of pure magical light that stay up there indefinitely. Right in the center of the room, we see a long table with uh, sets of chairs and a row of books on each side, a bookshelf, essentially, that lines uh, parallel with the table. And he uh, looks towards uh, P1 as he shows you the sermon goes. There's a lot of options that we could take with this plan. If Master so desires to get the jump on the Black King, uh, the bookshelves should provide excellent cover. Or if anyone in this, uh, if you or any of your servants have the ability, they could stealth above to the chandelier and get the drop on them. He's basically trying to come up with as many plans to basically make you proud of him as possible. As he's uh, running through his uh, skull, you see the yellow motes of light inside of his head burning a little brighter as he's trying to think up of uh, contingencies and plans for you. Oh yes, places to
2: hide were definitely my concern, especially since uh, one, two, uh, three of us are present. Uh, Did did anyone see me walk out?
3: Uh, I didn't see him. He's probably off doing some prayer somewhere. Uh, let's see. Mechanist, how good are you at tinkering? Well,
0: I, I'd say I'm pretty pretty good.
3: Uh, do you think you can rig a pressure-activated trip? I,
0: I might be able to put, put something together similar.
3: Uh, if we can immobilize him. Main thing, taking out his hands and disabling his ability to speak.
2: Well, judging by what my dear Queen has said,
3: the most dangerous thing in his possession is that wand. Right. And if he can't use his hand, move his hands, he can't use the wand.
1: Would Master like to know more about the wand?
3: Well, yes. The more that we know about it, the easier we can plan
2: in case things go wrong.
1: It's a strange artifact that he got from the Blue Palace out, up on the Jade Hills. He managed to get it from David a while back ago. The the strange thing about that artifact is it can what would take me ten minutes to cast he could do in an instant. And I've seen him be able to switch the rules of verbal spells being somatic and vice versa. It's quite the strange apparatus.
2: Hmm. Huh. Would that mean, then, he was already a capable spellcaster to begin with?
1: Unfortunately, no. Uh, was the best way to put this. And he really taps his chin on this. He's a bit of a one-trick pony, is the best way to put it. He, he had a focus on spells, but uh, variety is what he was lacking. But with this wand, spells that were unusable in combat or not practical became practical and i believe deriving his power from this foci alone is what would what would surpass me as a spellcaster
2: Ah, oh, i see so essentially what you're telling me is that he was a newbie spellcaster who decided to pick up his power-ups at the wrong times
1: indubitably
2: oh well then it's like i uh, just Looked at this like, uh, well, even with an an idiot with a powerful weapon is still a powerful weapon. So, yes, we should still get that thing out of his hand as soon as possible.
1: And he nods his head in affirmation. If there's anything that we can do, we have we have time to set up what we need. But I don't believe we have too long to make him wait.
3: How long did the message say?
1: Uh. The message said, and he's uh, looking through it, he wants to meet in about three hours.
3: Oh, that's not very long at all.
1: Yes. So I have about three hours to get back to him about uh, location. So I would say just a tiny bit longer than that. But even then, that would be stretching it inoffensive if I don't get back to him.
3: Let's see if... I think we should see if we could stretch it out to a day... You're a busy man, you have plenty of things. He can't just demand to show up in three hours.
1: It seems like that thought never crossed his mind to be a dick to another noble. And if skeletons could smile, no, Deep Buscemi has Deep Buscemi's face. But you just see like a smile start to curl up and he goes, Why, well, I, I never thought of that.
3: Oh, you're supposed to be the noble politician, and yet somehow I do it better than you. Tells you why this city fell apart.
0: <laughs> well, well, if I I may intrude, I I don't need much time to set up a little plan. If um, you want to hear my idea?
2: Oh no, like it like uh, Peewan with his own beakish smile, just like puts his puts his hand on uh on Jean's shoulder. It's just like. Oh, then I have so much to teach you. Trust me. By the end of these next few days, we can, I can make sure that you can annoy any number of people with
1: just a thought. So good. So, any response to what uh, Ordon says?
3: Go on.
0: Well, I, I believe if we can lead him into a, a sh- certain spot, I may be be able to get the, um, as you say, the the drop on him. See, I came up with this. Um, Special stretchy material with this bag over here and if our goal is to capture him Well, we can have at least about a ten minutes of air for him
3: So you want to do rope trick on him
0: do rope trick hide in it And then as I jump out or cast and large reduce on a bag of holding and capture him
3: What did large reduce work on a bag of holding
0: It says a creature or object or I could shrink him
3: into the bag. Uh, he only goes down to small. He, it only goes up one size category. So the bag would go from a tiny object to a small object, which might be able to stuff him in, but it it would be really hard to do that in an action. Like, extremely difficult. That's, that's a little extreme of a plan. <laughs>
0: Oh, let me see here One sec. see how long it takes me to change it for an infusion.
3: You can choose them on a... I believe it takes a, uh, an hour. Or you do it before you rest every night, I think. It happens at the end of a long rest. Okay. Man, that two-hour downtime period. The rope trick's not a bad idea. That gives us a way to go in and out. As much as I hate the cheesy aspect of it, it still works. Um see though hmm it's not bad but I'd rather immobilize him with some sort of mechanical try to my idea is to immobilize him with a mechanical trap uh, and rig something to activate on him We could also try to poison him <laughs> but he yeah. might have detection on that
0: Well, what we could do to really stop his movement. I learned up a a fancy new invention. It's a slight little potion that causes someone to levitate in place. And with enough force, he won't have enough. He won't have anything to grab onto to stop his movement. And we could force him into a trap.
3: Eh, That seems, again, far too complicated. When it comes to things like these. Remember to kiss, not that kind. P one, keep it simple, stupid. It's in acronym. Oh, it's almost like he—it's almost like he was about to speak, then you spoke, and then he
0: snapped his town fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I—I I have seen the um. I might not not be a hunter, but I've I've seen the inner workings of a um bear bear trap once or twice before. I could I could probably make a um a modified version where it's less um obtrusive.
3: Uh, no, we want it to be just as obtrusive, but uh, yes, to we want it to be not noticeable, so it would be something pressurized on say a chair or something that he would use because and. See, my idea was something like... uh, Be far too complicated with pulleys and such to do something that creates bindings or chains. Because the main thing is to immobilize his hands and his mouth. And if anyone... Will tell me this if he gets here at some point, but... If you get a hold of him, put your hand over his mouth... And you want to immobilize his hands.
2: Well, I can't do much about the mouth, as far as, like, uh, my present abilities, however. I can ensure that uh, he won't be going anywhere, as sort of like a backup in case the spring trap doesn't work.
1: <laughs>
3: yes. Wait, do either of you have the silence spell? Uh, it...
2: Silence might be on the artificer spell list. I generally don't look at it.
3: Uh... Me, me neither. Um... Uh. <laughs> I'll know in two seconds, though. Because if we if we can hit silence, uh, and just stick me and Asmundi in the room, that would that would be a supreme advantage. Uh,
2: I will. All right, just checked, and uh, silence is not on the artificer spell
3: list. Unfortunate. Though, if he still has that wand, he can obviously change any of the swell components to make verbal somatic. So the other thing is to get the wand out of his hand or break his fingers. Yeah, you know, that would be the first thing I do and if he gets immobilized. Can't hold the wand he can't use it. Uh
1: this is a good rule of thumb. Especially when the thumb's missing.
3: Yes. Well we need to do something to get rid of his ability to cast spells, or at least reduce their effectiveness. It's too its too bad that Dust isn't here, because we could do the rope trick thing, and then or have him hide in the chandelier and try and take the wand off of his his hip to pickpocket him as it were.
1: And, like, at the mention of Dust, you actually see Gene, uh, like, Look away, and his. Uh, he basically goes into deep thought at the mention. What? Uh, what
3: are you looking like that?
1: Uh, I am. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry. I just been seeing what he's been up to nowadays, and it's not pretty.
3: I don't care. Uh, he ran off and worked with that moron lion. Oh, hold on, just a second,
2: drama! Oh, hold on, <laughs> just like grabs one of the chairs at the conference room, just like uh, <laughs> like sits there, crosses his legs, and then leans in. <laughs>
3: this is the tale of how the great Asmodei avenged the deaths of all the nobles. The end. Spends five minutes telling you the last, the, the, telling you all the stuff from like four sessions ago. <laughs> the end. And then I beheaded him, <laughs> and that's how the statue of the great traitor Leo now stands to this very day. There you go, little Timmy.
1: <laughs> I always did love the execution part of that story. Can never get enough of it.
3: Anyway, uh, hmm, I, the, the rope trick idea or the. No, he doesn't say rope tricking, I not know what that spell is. The whole hiding in a pocket space is not a bad idea. Uh you skeleton man, is Roland like you? Is he hiding some undead nature of himself?
1: No. I, I'm a unique case. I just got to shipwreck a decade ago. Which reminds me uh, Master. I been doing with the query and i'm hoping you may have the answer to it
2: and what what that and what might that be
1: as you can see i am undead best put i am a warlock that rose because my patron felt like i didn't do him enough of a service now my patron was ball my question is I can still feel my magical power, and if I no longer serve the patron that gave me life, why am I still alive? Why do I still have power? That's been bothering me.
3: I haven't answered, but you go ahead, p one
2: Oh, my queen, there are ways in this world to gain the power of gods without having to devote a single bit of devotion. It's possible that you might have accidentally glitched your way into power.
1: And the moment you do say uh, say that, his magical, like, uh, showing of uh, motes of light in his hand does actually glitch very similar to your own.
3: That is beautifully optimistic. More than, in, it's my opinion, the reason you still have his power still have access to his powers because he plans on still using you like a tool for some sort of purpose that we are going to find out and will probably bite us in the butt.
1: That is most unnerving.
3: Gods gods think on a far larger chessboard than we do. And if you still have your power, it's not because of an oversight or a glitch, whatever that is. It it's because he still has use of you. And if he has access to you through some sort of bargain, or his power is still within you, means he can still manipulate you in some way.
1: I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And he shakes his head.
3: And this is why you don't make deals with the devil. Unless it's me, of course. But that's a whole nother story.
1: He looks at Ordon, and he says... What is your view on this matter, Servant and Piwan?
3: Oh, dearie me,
2: I do believe that his brain has since vacated.
1: Uh,
3: perhaps he's thinking so hard on a device that we could use that he is completely silent and distracted.
1: <laughs> we just see him just working along, and I feel like he just completely ignores uh, Gene LeBon. He goes... Well, Thank you," he says sarcastically. Um, "So, what else do you guys want to do? Uh, what, what, what's the things you want to get going here?
3: All right. So, he's a human, correct?
1: He is a human, as correct.
3: Like you know this for a hundred percent certainty, yes?
1: He gets unnerved looking at me when I take off. Uh, my disguise i do believe that he is not undead but that is all i am sure of last time i've seen him he was human
3: and how observant is he how how good is he at being aware of his surroundings well, well m- maybe that he he just forgot to turn you off <laughs> That sounds like the least likely of all the scenarios that have been stated.
0: Well, I I mean, I manage a a lot of inventions and sometimes I forget to turn them off and they run amok. You aren't
3: an all-powerful god entity there above us. They don't forget things like, oh, I forgot to turn this thing off. Oh, especially when we, when one of us looked dead in his, and he personally witnessed it, and also one of us looked dead in his face and taunted him. Pretty sure he's aware of what's going on, at least w- with us. So I doubt he forgot to flip a switch.
2: Although this is an excellent idea, as he just kind of like a, you no, know, like grabs a random piece of parchment and writes it like, find other ways. To turn men on.
3: Why didn't? Why did I miss that one?
1: Uh. Um, I almost want like Gene to have like uh, the Batman's Butler response to that. Uh, good one, sir.
0: Well, I-, I got one question for Gene.
1: Mm-hmm. He do, looks at you.
0: Do you know what his um his wand is made of?
1: Mm-hmm. And again, cups his imaginary chin. Or illusionary chimp. and he says it's very mechanical. I've never seen quite an apparatus such as that. Uh,
0: ooh, ooh! You said mechanical, like made out of metal?
1: Blockwork, to be precise.
3: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. So, laid out?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good contingency.
2: So, if I've just been tracking the conversation correctly, I do believe that we've more or less settled on setting an initial trap, followed by an extra trap in case that one doesn't work to restrain him, and then once that has been accomplished we ensure that he can't cast and that's it?
3: (laughs) I mean, that would be if everything goes according to plan and if we can rig something in time It'd be best if we can get him to delay.
2: Well, if it if that's the best way to get this contraption working, uh, then do your best, my queen, to do just that. Inform them that will be that you will meet with him in the conference room, and if you can uh, postpone it to the next day, maybe invite him to tea.
3: <laughs> Make sure that you uh, invoke how busy you are, that you that. And you, uh, you were so busy, three hours is not the time enough time to clear your schedule.
1: And he nods at that. And uh, you see him beginning to uh, write down on a uh, piece of paper. This one is completely white. And he uh, writes in code. If you look over his shoulder, you wouldn't be able to figure out in a glance what he is writing down. I think at this point, he uh, folds it up. And he goes, oh my. And as he's uh, folding it up, he makes something different from his usual origami, like a symbolism. Uh, usually when he uh, folds it up, he would uh, make essentially uh, a monarch butterfly. But now he made a small, I would say in the shape of a blue jay minus the blue. <laughs> And he shows it to P1. Would you look at this?
3: Well, that's not good.
2: I don't know what you're talking about. I do believe it's quite excellent papership.
1: I can't do it. And he tries it again. Like, he tries to fold the paper into a butterfly. And each time he does it, it ends up as a blue jay. This won't, this won't work. It, it won't work.
3: That's not good.
1: No, and he, I think he uh, looks pleadingly at uh, both of you. Please uh, help me. I, I think we can still pull this off, but I can't be the one to fold it. My my hands are not listening to me. They won't allow me to make a butterfly. Um. So, if all three of you want to try. You can try your uh, hands at origami with this message. Ah, uh, essentially, what I want you guys to make is a. Uh, I'm trying to think like uh, if there's any skill that could be paired along it besides just a straight dex check.
3: Probably sleight of hand, if 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 anything,
0: or any tools that work a lot with paper.
1: Yeah, I, I would allow that. I-, I would allow that proficiency if. There's any tools you guys can come up with to work along with that. But at this moment, he cannot fold the message properly.
0: Well, I do have proficiency in origami, so.
1: Are you fucking serious? There's not a chance to help.
0: <laughs> forgery kit or painter supplies would probably be my closest, or tinkers.
1: Yeah, no, forgery works just fine. Cause the way I see it is that, like, there's some, like, precise tools that you have in the forgery kit to essentially forge his uh, origami skills. So, yeah, if you're proficient with it, oradon, you can uh, add your proficiency with that. So everyone make me roll dexterity, sleight of hand.
3: Uh, I'm not... Uh, good luck. My hands are not very... My hands have lots of scar tissue. They don't uh, do fine motor mechanics quite well. 22.
2: I mean, like, I was going to see if, like, uh, since this is a... Uh, Technically, something of the magical side. If uh, if P1 would have been able to like uh, like try to uh, sort of like uh, magically will it to fold properly, <laughs> as in like use arcana instead,
0: yeah, same
1: that is applicable as well. Because uh, the way I see it is the material itself is magic, it's essentially. Legitimately, like a line of code that you'd write for a computer, but on a piece of paper, it will follow commands and uh, basically deliver a message.
0: Well, I, 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 my hands are pretty dexterous, and I'm pretty, pretty smart with the uh, arcane, even though I derive it from my inventions.
3: I mean, you rolled the twenty-two,
0: and uh twenty-seven for Arcana, just in case. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to say the information I just told you came from the Arcana roll you you easily deduce like how this paper looks at a glance and this is your first time really looking at it besides or you know looking and feeling at it besides uh, the time solomon showed you the red crane and again yeah. it works like war uh, warforge in a sense where you're bringing to life this inanimate object but only momentarily and again it works like code on paper You could make a fair amount of inventions with this as a component if you really wanted to. This is the first time you've seen something so small and efficient that is able to do a task. Um, But yes, we see Ordon work at the table like he makes precise folds and even pulls out. I want to imagine, like, pulls out a ruler that's longer than him just to make sure that the dimensions are, like, perfect and you fold up this coded message into a butterfly and give it back to, uh, Gene. And Gene looks at it and he stares at it for far too long and just shakes his head. But It's
0: looked, beautiful, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And he looks at you, Ordon, and says, this is perfect work. Thank you. And he lets it fly and it flutters. So, essentially, the message he sent is that he is far too busy to meet up today. That tomorrow morning would be... Or you said, like, a, would you prefer it in the morning or afternoon? Evening? Like, what? what's the time frame that you want to
0: meet? Uh, it's all about Iceman.
3: This isn't my... I mean, I had the suggestion, P1. Uh, I mean, if, I mean
2: if it were me, I would... If it were me, I would force someone to have tea time in the morning, but I suppose we're playing by someone else's rules. It would have to be the afternoon, wouldn't it?
3: I mean, I would say at his earliest convenience, in the morning or in the afternoon. At least let him feel like he still has some power and control.
1: Mm-hmm. Alright. So, yeah. Uh, it. The message goes along for the morning and it uh, flutters out. So far, you feel like your ruse is pretty succe- uh, successful. Uh, Ordon, what are you doing to prep for tomorrow? What is everyone doing to prep? Uh, keep in mind in this room, if you guys just take a cursory, uh, cursory glance around the room, there is a wealth of information in this conference room. And it's not from history itself. These are notes of uh factions around the drogue port there's a lot of information on each gang uh basically crucial members they're blackmail, they're everything dirty about them
3: oh fantastic oh fantastic records to then pass along and study
2: oh oh god hold on hold on p1 like, discovering this particular cache of information. Oh, please, uh, my queen, please get us some popcorn. We are going to make this an evening.
3: <laughs> anyway, uh, so what can we do? I mean, the mechanical apparatus, hopefully it can bind his hands and mouth, but I don't know how complex we can get them 24 hours notice. Good luck, Ordon. Uh, I can also assist or done in any forging and tinkering, uh, bending of metals, so on and so forth.
0: Well, if you've seen what I did with the origami, you should see what I can do with some Smith's
3: tools. We we shall see. And uh, P1, if you find anything of particular interest, have a... Uh, someone write it, make a copy for me, would you mind?
2: Oh, I have something of interest right here. One of the leaders actually bought women's lingerie. The invoice is right here. (laughs)
3: Uh, That just says... This says your name on it.
1: Just a moment of silence between all three of us, or all, like, all four of you guys in the room. And Gene just looks towards P1 and just gives him a nod.
3: (laughs) Is there something you want to... It's P1.
1: Huh,
2: you're very thorough. As he just, like, puts that invoice off to the side. (laughs)
3: Uh.
1: So good. Alright.
0: How many chairs are in this room?
1: Um, I believe there are 16.
0: I I think that's too many. We need to get rid of some.
3: Ed, we can assume which chair he's going to sit in. Remember... Ordon, this is a man who fancies to call himself the king. He's going to take the head of the table.
0: Okay, then I, I need that chair.
1: All right, and you grab the chair. What do you do with it?
0: Well, I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the uh, other room. I got. We want a trap, right? Yes. Well, Asmadai, here's my plan. You wanted something with pressure, so I, I think he might be a little heavy. To when he sits in the chair I might be able to rig something up Where some hidden shackles Come out of the
3: armrest That was what I was imagining And also something To possibly come out of the head uh, Out of the top To bind his mouth A spike no.
0: <laughs> oh, Sorry uh, um, I, I, That might be a little harder But uh, I, I can try
3: And do the best you can. I don't think you can get perfection, but if you can get anything, I'd be impressed. Anything that actually works.
1: Mm -hmm. Alright. So, I assume you spend uh, the day just uh, trying to construct this device, Ordon? Yeah. Okay. Because it is evening, if memory serves me right, because you guys took a long rest, then you guys waited for a response in this room because P1 was essentially a hot topic.
3: Well, n- n- no. We we got back from the unseen public uh, and then we took a rest that night. Then the next day we did the stuff with P1 faking his death in the morning and then did did the in the mornings like 10 11 did that and then we came back here so it's probably more like 3 in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, but you guys told me specifically that you were waiting for his response and I told you it was reaching nightfall when you guys oh, okay. get response. Yeah. Yeah that
2: I yeah, I was about to comment. Like yeah, yeah. It, it did take some time to actually
3: get the message. <laughs> gotcha, so he was gonna come them at at night. Yeah, no. Uh so we don't even have twenty four hours. We have like twelve. And eh, it's still better than three. Um yeah. Did we get a counter-response yet?
1: Uh, no. Like, you guys just uh, sent the message. I was just asking Ordon, like, he's, are, you're going to spend, like, the night and, like, just the rest of the night and uh, possibly the morning working on this? Or how are you, how you doing this? Like, what else are you also going to work on?
0: Well, once I'm on to a project, I don't stop until I'm finished. So if it's having trouble actually getting towards perfection gonna keep working on it until i get that
3: done
1: okay um i would say like let's start off with this like uh make me a roll
3: i like i said i'm if it's i'm going to assist him from some of the night
1: that's fine so here's how i'm gonna do it uh before you uh make the roll i'm gonna say it's going to be a yeah because this is a complex device a dc 16 roll Now, each increment, you're off by three. Like, say, uh, you're three underneath that, like, at 13. One of the features won't work right. So, you're trying to reach DC 16 to basically perfect it. Anything above, and you, like, by an increment of three, and you can actually add one additional feature to your invention. How's that sound? That
0: seems fine. Could I investigate the chair to find out if there's going to be any weak points to it? That might screw me over randomly.
3: I mean, that's all going to be part of your tinkering.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you have multiple chairs. I, I, you, you can uh, go along and we'll say like perhaps a weak point is pointed out during like a uh, process. But uh, I, I'm going to say that with 16 chairs, I believe I said 16. Or I might be thinking DC it's 16. With the amount of chairs that you have in the room, there is bound to be a perfect one you could use. So, make me the roll.
3: You have advantage. Also, wouldn't it be Tinker's tools? Also, try not to roll unless called for, because you don't know what you're rolling until Gray calls for it, because you're just wasting the rolls there.
1: Mm-hmm. So, just like you said, Tinker... Uh, yeah, is there any other skill that goes along with that, or is it just uh, pure Tinker's?
3: I mean, it's he, if he has proficiency in Tinker's tools... It, it, uh, the attribute it would be up to you. Like, it could be strength, dexterity, wisdom, intelligence, any of that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say that it's going to be intelligence because he's coming up with something new, which I'm pretty sure is a high stat for you already. So intelligence, and let's say your tinker's tool, because I'm not sure if a skill really. Fits into this.
0: Okay, so an intelligence roll plus my proficiency.
1: Y- yeah, that sounds bad.
3: And add advantage.
1: Yeah, 16 or higher.
3: Roll roll another one. Okay, so 23.
0: 23. All
1: right. Oh, 26. 23. Oh, it's because 26. it's plus
0: 3 proficiency.
1: Hmm. You know what? With how high you rolled, tell me a magical effect that you want to imbue with this object. And I'll explain in a second. Just give me like a magical effect that you want to do with this.
0: Well, I, I, I'm not really a fan of um, just the arcane or the affections, but I think I made the comfiest chair. Anyone who, you know, sits in it tends to just relax so much until they fall
1: asleep. Okay, I'm down with that. So I'm here's what I'm going to say. As you're working along, Iceman's giving you a couple pointers, just saying, hey, like, that metal doesn't look right for the braces. He might be able to break out of that. You're like, oh, okay, okay. And as you're working along and uh, we get to uh, the morning with this uh, project, we see uh, Gene walk in to uh, observe what you've done so far. And he admires the quality of this chair with, uh, you said you wanted shackles or like a... These cuffs to spring out, correct? A pressure plate, and uh, what was the thing for the head or the neck?
3: Something to come out and bind the mouth.
1: Okay, so So, uh, basically another, like, I would assume like a spring kind of shackle. Yeah, like, I imagine metal. Basically, like a clamp that immediately comes forth. And looking at this, he just makes a mention, oh, this is... Something I would see right from a torture room. And as he touches the chair, again, we see, like, that spark of magica come from his hand. And I think that with your tools as your folk guy touching the chair at the same moment as him, we see, like, this weird glitch happen again. And a sheen goes over to this chair. And as he's holding on to it, he just makes a mess. Uh, basically... He makes the comment that if I wasn't undead, I would be asleep right now. What is this? And you guys have made a pretty nifty fucking trap.
0: Well, I, I, I like to call this, it has a little extra additions than what you you normally would have. But my relax o 2500.
1: It-
3: that's not relaxing, it's terrifying. Well, that's the extra additions.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Ordon's gonna be the only one who's gonna be skipping sleep tonight. Um, Yeah, so Ordon, you are going to take one point of exhaustion from working on this project throughout the night in the morning.
0: Well, if I rolled so high, would I um, have finished
1: it like halfway through the night? Uh, hmm. I'll give you a choice. We can retcon the magical effect for you to finish it early,
0: or... Yeah, let's keep it.
1: Yeah, alright. So, you can go right ahead. Like, throughout the night, you have this perfect, but you missed out on some sleep. So, take a point of exhaustion, and do not forget about that. Alright. So, how this is going to work... Let me uh, take a gander at the sleep spell really quick, because I want to beef that fucker up. All right, I think this is how it's going to work. This chair is going to be able to cast sleep, or basically cast sleep onto the person sitting down on it at a sixth level. So I'm trying to go through the dies really quick, figure out how many that'd be. Uh,
2: normally it is, uh, I believe, 5d8 at first level, and then it means two additional die for each level above first.
1: Yeah, so, so that'd be t- 10 to eight. Yeah. Yep.
3: 8 plus 5, so that's a 13 D8, uh... D8. Okay, 13. Wait, at 6,
2: wait, sleep at six level? Uh, that would be an additional, that'd be an additional 10 on top of five, top
3: 15. I thought he said 5th level, my bad.
1: So, 15, uh, D8s is what you'd get. Hang on. Uh, hang on. Sorry guys, I want to just do some math to make this work. Um,
3: wow, you rolled terribly.
0: Yeah, but I, I just wanted to hear all the dice ringing on D and D Beyond.
2: I mean, technically, the both of you rolled below average, but.
1: <laughs> so, uh, again, recon even the spe- uh, spell level. Um, basically, the way I want to do this is with this magical surge. It's going to be thirty-two D 8s from this spell.
2: What we're hearing is that Ordon made a magic item by accident.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, on purpose, but. <laughs> yeah, he made a pretty powerful magic item
1: yeah there's a good chance that anyone who sleeps in the or like who sits in this chair will sleep but again all like from a cursory glance like from uh uh gene LeBon's evaluation you guys know this is a sleep spell whether there is any additional magical effects only fate could tell but what you guys do know is that there's a sleep spell, everything is working perfectly, pressure plate is phenomenal. Now, we have this uh, set up, and I would assume that it is time, unless you guys have anything else you want to set up. Do you guys want to hide in the room? Uh, What do you guys have planned before the meeting starts?
3: Do we know what time the meeting is starting
1: I think uh, it's set for uh, 10 o'clock, so Ordon just got it done. You guys have about two hours.
3: Uh, The rope trick's not a bad idea. Mega, you got anything?
2: So, Well, if we wanted to be sure that he didn't know we were in the room, that does seem like the most feasible option.
3: I do... uh, Part of me wishes... I do have one slight caveat on that. How, How... how big is the room? Is it the dimensions shown on the map?
1: Uh, yes. Um, hang on. Well, let me double check it, sorry. Um, it never double checked the grid.
3: So, it is a... 25 by 30 room. Okay. Uh... Can't get far enough away for detect magic to not work. Um... My only hesitation with the rope trick is it is detectable, but that's if he suspects himself of walking into a trip. How paranoid is this man?
1: He's a chess master. Extremely so.
3: Uncharacteristically, uh,
2: P1 snorts (laughs) when he hears master. (laughs)
3: Yes, but seemingly extremely arrogant as far as he know he won this has been check and now he just has to come and earn his checkmate actually it's been checkmate because you're dead looks at P1 (laughs) you're a very vibrant looking corpse and no I didn't mean that in any sort of sexual context Oh, you didn't have to. It was implied. Uh, anyhow, the trick could be a fine idea, but if he senses it, if he senses too much magic in the room not coming from the undead guy, uh, that's going to be a problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, by that same token, if we were all hidden in the room non-magically, I do believe any item on our person might also de- be detectable now.
3: I don't have any magic items. I do. I do. I do have them, but they can easily be set as- set somewhere else.
1: Hmm. All right. So, if you guys don't have anything else, can you uh, place yourselves on the map where you'd be hiding during this interaction?
3: Well. Uh- do we want to risk the rope trick, or do we want to risk... Someone is taking their stealth rolls at disadvantage. Um, actually, two people are taking their stealth rolls at disadvantage. So, do we even...
0: I have advantage on stealth, stealth rolls.
3: Okay, so you have a straight roll, then. Because you took a point of exhaustion, which means all of your ability checks are at disadvantage.
2: Well, uh, as uh, P1 looks over to, uh, uh, to uh, specifically to Asmodai, if you'd like, I could maybe bend the rules for you a bit.
3: Uh, could you, uh, in what way, in what rules are you going to be bending?
2: Oh, I'll just make sure that your armor can't be heard.
3: <laughs> okay. How? <laughs> because invisibility doesn't get rid of sound.
2: It's like, Oh, that's really quite simple. All I have to do
3: is defy the Game Master. You see you see the world in such an odd way.
2: I mean, if you don't want my help, then I can just
3: leave you be, but... I mean, I would gladly appreciate it, but I'm trying to think... Above table, I have
2: the ability to mechanically remove your disadvantage.
3: Yeah, I still have a minus one in the deck's. It's not... I'm I'm not stealthy in any sense. It's, it's still... Look, negative one is still
2: better than what I would call negative six. And neg-
3: I'd call it more negative four, but yes. Uh, semantics aside, it may be better if uh, I'm not in the room.
1: Gene does Uh, provide you a couple of uh, solutions you could uh, do, um, he starts mumbling off places in the estate, just saying, well, the courtyard would be too obvious. Everyone can see you. Uh, what would be nearby is the kitchen, if that would uh, serve you. It would be a very short trip. Uh, just to clarify, you do you have any magic items on you?
3: I do, but I can leave those elsewhere.
1: He, Please. It, I have. I don't know the full arsenal of the Black King himself, but the idea that he could detect magic, it would set off a few bells if he sensed it from all things a servant's kitchen.
3: Duh. Though technically, I don't think detect magic... Uh, can I... It, I mean... Detect Magic, depending on how thick the walls are, uh, can't would, would block it.
1: Hmm. What's the thickness for that?
3: Uh, one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood or dirt. What a lot of people do, what a lot of casters do, is they actually line their walls with lead.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, there, there is no lead in these walls, and they are, they are certainly not three feet uh, thick.
3: Oh, they're not made. I, th- the estate doesn't, isn't made out of stone. It's made. Oh out hell of no!
1: This is, this is wood. Ah. Tile floor, wood walls. Gotcha. Because mm-hmm. this isn't a castle. This is just a really nice fucking house, but, but it is made of wood.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah, I can putting my magic items elsewhere is not hard at all Uh, make sure you guys out of character make sure you guys if you have any magic items on you if you can put them elsewhere that's going to be a problem for one of mine what which one my coin
0: that's also armor
3: it doesn't count I mean it
1: (sighs) it's an infusion right
3: yeah, the infusions may or may not count it as, well, it, it might ping on detect magic, actually. Yeah, actually, it, it probably will ping on detect magic.
1: Yeah, so just going by detect magic, it can just detect the presence of any kind of spell or magic.
3: Well, technically, the infusion is a coin infused with a spell.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it gives a magical effect to an item. I think that's the focus of it. That that's catching my eye.
3: Yeah, it would, either way, it would still probably ping.
0: It would definitely ping. I just think I can't get rid of it.
2: Is there anything in the room uh, of the conference room that is already magical?
1: Uh, in this conference room, uh, the only thing I can think of is yeah, um, the chandelier, magic orbs.
3: Yes, have the gnome hide in the chandelier. Great idea. It is an option. I mean, you laugh about it, but here's the thing. Is that
2: uh, technically if... Oh, wait a second. If we put the rope trick right above the chandelier... Wait, like, basically... Yeah, that's basically what I was about to get at, is that uh, if we essentially... Because, like, detect magic can only really tell you, uh, you know, like, at best, the school of magic... Um, if you can't see it. So, if the magical effect in question is not viewable, you don't know where it is. And honestly, it might be obfuscated by uh, something uh, magical, especially if it's the same school.
3: Um. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, if we rope, so if you cast a rope trick above the chandelier, that's actually a really, really good idea. Good catch, Mega.
1: Okay, can you guys explain what the rope trick is in detail? Because that's just flying over
2: my head. I mean, like the TLDR. The TLDR is that you create that you create an extra dimensional space with a hole. Uh, uh, the material component being a rope, um, and uh, you know, if you decide to go into like a, like creatures that you select that, that are permitted to enter. Um, essentially, once they have entered the hole, uh, uh, other creatures can't see the hole itself or the creatures inside of it but everybody who is
3: inside of the hole can see out of it once the rope is pulled up yeah so so basically you have like this hole into an extra-dimensional space that is uh and has like this this uh window and once you pull up the rope the window becomes invisible it becomes like a one-way mirror okay so essentially, you create a pocket space, um, and there's a lot of cheesy things that can be done. But basically, which I won't be permitting, uh, just right out the gate.
1: Yeah, I, I I was gonna yeah I was gonna bring that up. Wasn't there an exploit with this uh, spell as well?
3: Oh yeah, there there's a heck of an exploit, especially if you're a rogue.
1: Yeah, so I, I trust you guys are gonna keep the integrity of the game, like just so long at. Especially with both of you guys at the table watching Ordon. Just, you know, let's try to keep it legitimate and nothing that fucky.
0: It's a good thing I don't know how to exploit it.
2: That is a lie. (laughs) You explicitly messaged me about it.
3: (laughs) Oh, I do? It's not hard to figure out how to exploit it. You have a pocket invisibility that just lasts.
1: Mm hmm so okay, what what happens when say the enemy goes into this? Are they just trapped in this?
3: Well, that's if they can see it, and uh kind of it 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 doesn't it doesn't detail what happens when you trap someone if you like can trap someone in there. So it's this up is speci- two interpretations.
1: Yeah. yeah, so this is specifically for Ordon just to be in to help himself out. Oh well,
3: no, anyone
2: can be in it. Oh, okay. The only limitation is that the space itself, like the X-dimensional space itself, is limited. As in, like, only X number of creatures can be in there.
0: Which is eight people. And of certain size. (laughs) Eight medium or smaller.
1: Yeah, so it looks like you guys uh, fit the bill. Uh, Anything else you want to do before this meeting starts?
3: No, we just cast- we cast that like a minute or so before he gets in there, and we climb up the rope and pull up the rope. As long as the rope is pulled up, you can't see inside
1: of it. Okay, um, and this is an extra dimension, so like, uh, say for example, if there was a fire effect right above it, or uh, next to it, none of the uh, occupants would feel those effects, would I be correct in that statement? Like, no air is traveling in between it, no fire, nothing?
3: Yeah, though you can breathe in it, because you can stay in there as a creature.
1: Yeah, the way I'm imagining it is like a, a sealed, locked room like you'd see in a spacecraft or some shit. So, yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, attacks and spells can't cross through the entrance into or out of the extra-dimensional space.
1: Okay. That sounds good to me.
3: Again, this is why people try to exploit it and why I won't play that game. <laughs> what do you what do you mean? I lean my head out as a rogue, I shoot, I I then make it invisible again? Or is, and then they can't touch me. Na 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 na. <laughs> All
1: right, so let's uh, get the show on the road. to spend what, like, damn near an hour.
3: All right. That's so- a short planning.
1: I I've been enjoying every second of it.
3: This is a short planning session. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, look, I, I mean, like, I'm
2: sure like uh, ISIS had similar experiences, like you know, but. I've literally been in a situation where an entire session was dedicated to just making the plan.
1: <laughs> no plan stands the test of time, my friend. But it's it's good that you guys put this much thought into this cuz this will really help you. Uh everyone put your uh tokens on the table uh right in the chandelier.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. We're doing the rope trick thing I forgot. Yeah, so he can cast it like literally right on the r- above the chandelier and
1: that's perfectly fine.
3: Within the moats and things. So,
1: mm-hmm. so uh, before we uh, begin, Mega, uh, for this uh, meeting, I'm going to actually give over control of uh, 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 Gene to you, both role playing wise and gameplay wise, because I do not feel like talking to myself. I'm going to assume that you prepped them up for today that you have, like, specific guidelines you want him to keep in mind. So he's just going to do what's in your best interest within this meeting, so far that you've told him. Okay, uh, any final words you say to Gene before you guys uh, crawl into the hole? Make sure he sits in
3: that chair.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would have been bad. I was gonna have him sit in the other chair.
3: (laughs) I mean, look, Two chairs at the head of the table, we could maybe take some of the chairs out, so there's only, like, six, and they're, like, really spread out.
1: Okay. Yeah, because more than likely, you think, with his attitude, he is going- I assume you're putting the chair right here.
3: Well, yeah, there'd be- I mean, probably two chairs for the head of the table.
1: So, yes, there is one at each end of the table, he has one head, and he's going to be waiting for the other, and he tells his master- you know, looks at P1, just says uh, please be safe, Master. As you guys scuttle your way up into the rope and into, you said, this one-way mirror looking thing where, uh, describe what it looks like, Ordon. Like, you flavor it. What what was this hole look like?
0: It, it is um, one of my new inventions where um, it is a special rope that is frayed at the end and as I untwist some of the frays, it expands and expands and to a looks like an enclosure and as the enclosure completes the end becomes invisible
1: all right and you guys go in and you said as you go in like you guys uh described that it looks like a mirror is looking outward but from gene's perspective there's nothing there
3: it, it's kind of like a window but yeah it's like a one-way mirror it's how it functions well i would be off in the corner
0: um twiddling my coin doing some deep breaths to try mm. to focus
3: yeah unfortunately the space is not super well defined it just can fit eight people comfortably
1: yeah i'm gonna say it's inception you guys are just standing up looking out the mirror even though it looks like you guys would be in a free fall if this was you know in the same reality um at this point p1 again you have a full control over gene we hear a knock at the door, and the first thing that crosses through Jean's mind is that no one is announcing the arrival.
2: Hmm. Well, okay, since uh, I'm going to be making certain assumptions, since I don't necessarily know myself like uh, their particular candor in these circumstances. Hmm. So, so then, like, Jean will say, Who is it? I am expecting someone.
1: And at this point, the door opens, and we see a yellow fog like spew into the room, and it just like smoke or like a uh, yeah the smoke from an explosion would be the best way to describe it without the force. It just rushes into the room, and Gene can easily like breathe or he doesn't even breathe it in. It just goes around him and coalesces, since he is undead. This has no effect on him. To him, it's just a different visual for him to look at. And behind the door, we see a purple shawl and orange robes. The first thing that catches Gene's eye is that there is a sash. On this silk sash, there are, what's the best way to say it? Shrunken heads wrapped in linen wraps. They moan as this figure walks into the room.
2: So just be clear, like, Jean does not recognize this figure at all.
1: No. It's nine feet tall. It has, uh, this, uh, sash on with these, uh, moaning heads. The thing walks on two legs, but it has, like, a chunky and long tail. And you can clearly see, like, uh, A Nordic ruin but it is the thickness and same material of a horseshoe so imagine if someone grabbed a horseshoe and made it into the shape of Nordic ruin and embedded it on someone's chest is severely irritated red on this scaly sand like skin and this hunchback figure if this person were to stand up completely straight would be nine feet but with this hunch She is only about, I would say, like six feet, maybe, tops. And we see split eyes as we see Ayanti enter the room. And it says to Jean, Hello, I am Ifala. It is a pleasure to meet the White King. And it just limps forward towards the end of the table and it says to gene i am an emissary of the true black king he is worried about you gene and its head just slightly bobbles and wiggles as it speaks how do you think gene would react to this unexpected situation
2: uh he would definitely uh be shocked about it and maybe even a bit uh, to the best of his his facial ability to express shock. <laughs> um but
1: uh Again, just remember he looks he looks like Steve Buscemi, so he can express shock.
2: Alright, hold on, then like uh I'm just gonna like Scooby Doo this for a moment. Yeah. As I well, like the you know, like face <laughs> It's like express shock, face, back. Uh <laughs> hmm. it if you've never seen that episode. Anyway um, uh, is going to a pleasure to make your acquaintance with like uh with a uh, clear distinction because by all accounts like uh I think Yonti would be classified more or less as beastman.
1: <laughs> hmm. Exactly. Which is this? But not exactly the strange part. Like when you came in and challenged Roland, he like the entire black uh, uh section of. The King's Gambit was known to have slaves and you actually played with your life to be a servant if you lost uh, the first game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that's the question. He sent a servant and he it says to Jean, Roland is concerned about you, King of White. And it makes a bow but inches forward towards Jean. Um, let me put him on the table. It, the person doesn't look openly hostile, but whatever is around, like, uh, that sash, is making this yellow mist into the room. Though so what kind of effects it has is unknown at the moment.
2: And I should be equally concerned as well. Hmm why are you here and not the king himself
1: and we see uh the yanti afala just say he was quite offended that you couldn't find the time of day to meet up last night and he so happens to be a busy man himself but most the paramount of his distress was your actions During the execution, he didn't feel safe coming here, even with a god or a bodyguard. So he sent this humble servant to exchange information and possibly broker a deal, an alliance, back to how things once were. So far... Yeah, hang on. Before you say that, so far it he's walked up, and I'm gonna say each time, like this person's slowly stumbling. Um, your question.
0: Would I have seen, um, anything about these heads in my past or the smoke?
1: Uh, make me a history check, and tell me what you get. Nat twenty. You are 20. extremely familiar with this. This person isn't just a nobody. They have quite the name, in Thubaran. Thubaran being the Grand Desert that has the capital of the City of Blood. And within that city, there is a infamous uh, shaman, would be the best way to describe that. An infamous shaman that was uh, put during... or er, Yeah, during execution... It was uh, sentenced to execution, but later turned over as a personal servant to the Delius dynasty, which recently perished during uh, the state of uh, the Daimot estate explosion, uh, the servant is supposed to have a collar on to keep it obedient to the family. The main reason for this collar was to act as a limiter to uh, the magical prowess of the shrunken heads. He gets this from his victims. He cut them out, dry them out, and. Infuse it, much similar to an artificer or an enchanter. These heads are very, very magical, and the yellow mist works off of fear. If someone were to go into that mist, fail a wisdom save, there could be potent or er, potentially with living uh, creatures, it could have a magical effect to manifest their fears. Again. Boatload of information for a natural 20. You got a little bit of who this person is. This is their signature move with uh, shrunken heads in the mist. This person has quite the reputation.
0: Are they wearing their collar?
1: No, they are not wearing their collar.
0: So me realizing this, I would be... Oops, nope. so they can't hear us outside of it. I'd still be worrisome. <laughs> uh, g- g- guys, please. We, we, we really really don't want to come out of here
2: I'm holding in case somebody wants to comment
1: yeah like you guys can like talk since there's been a recent development with plans you guys were expecting roll in but you ended up getting his servant
3: I've got none I'm just waiting I'm continuing to watch his play out it's, uh uh
2: gene would uh respond as uh as such to Unless I'm mistaken, our previous arrangement before the incident was working perfectly fine. Is there such a need for a new alliance if the World One worked just perfectly fine?
1: It bobbles its head as it says. Well, Roland has made some new friends. It is a bit more profitable in strengthening... Both his back pocket and men at arm with the alliances we have. But unfortunately, no one is too keen on working with a, let's be honest, this shambles of a gang that was formed after the explosion. No one wants dual leaders. No one wants half of a decision. They want one person. So, he poses a excellent arrangement for you. If you wish to join along us, you can be his queen. And, again, moves forward. And I feel like, uh, as a Fethel is going along, we see the clawed hand just, you know, going down the books and just, you know, mindlessly looking behind the books to see if anyone is hiding behind there. Just glancing at the bookshelves looking through the cracks
2: and who would these new allies of his be certainly he wouldn't join himself with those that he didn't fully trust
1: and you see him out his head i my apologies my king i forgot to bring up a very very important point of this meeting he wants to extend an olive branch he wishes to give you a bit of information for this let's be frank this dishonorable lack of him showing he feels bad that he cannot fully trust you at this time but wishes to show that a bridge can be built uh, over this river and he stop uh, starts off by uh, saying, he starts off by saying uh, the Black King has forged an alliance with the Black Eyes. Uh, are you familiar with those peddlers?
2: How familiar is Jean with the Black Eyes?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you as a character. Like, are you familiar with the Black Eyes since we last brought him up?
2: I just don't know if he had any uh, extra familiarity. But anyway. Um... I
3: mean, he, he had a all those dossiers, so I assume he knows more than we do.
1: Yeah, that that's the point, so I I would let's see, just to throw it your way, just so you can have it You know, like uh, Gene knows, uh, the boss of the Black Eyes is uh, called Sumihana Essentially, what the Black Eyes excel at is a form of uh, magic that can power themselves physically magically and has all sorts of uh, effects through uh, living tattoos essentially uh the current issue that uh we figured out during i believe the second or first session back into this is that his daughter has been kidnapped um anyways um uh, this uh yanti is going through books and just says are you familiar with them
2: Uh, Yes, I am very familiar with them, as well as the unfortunate circumstances.
1: Unfortunate circumstances, indeed. And as he's going along with the books, he, or not he, she, she just gives a nasty smile when she says, Master believes that he knows where the daughter is, or better put, will end up. So that forged alliance is a sure thing. Man will do anything to get his daughter back. Maybe he's twisted enough just to keep her. And we see like a claw mark go down one of the books. I apologize. Is there anything in particular that you would find useful? Uh... Yeah, he asked just a legitimate question, seeing as you already know a piece of information they try to give you. So he, uh, she's going to try to limit what Jean knows and Jean doesn't know. Um, you can treat this like P1, like has prepared to you, you know get information out of Roland. So if there's anything in particular P1 doesn't know, you could basically voice it through Jean.
2: So in this case, it's like, uh, well, frankly, I'm a bit concerned that. My former co-king no longer trusts me. In what way have I betrayed his trust or called it into question?
1: Oh, the Betrayed trust, that's, that's a little too dramatic. These are hard times that we come upon. His main concern was the nobles that heard your confrontation with Piwan didn't sound natural we saw the corpse get destroyed but he just has a gut feeling that something isn't adding up and again he looks uh, look towards uh, uh uh gene while he mindlessly playing with uh the shrunken heads on the sash and says by no means have you lost his trust but you know how a chess player can be you, you some moves are just unpredictable.
2: Is this is the suggestion that a mere bird would have gotten the best of me in some fashion?
1: There's a chuckle. That's his reasoning, actually. You've never been prone to violent outbursts like that. You are a cold and calculating man, Jean Laban. He found it strange. So, stops himself. Did you win, or did you lose?
3: I mean, that was a cold-calculated decision. (sighs) There was no passion involved. He cheated. He didn't... uh, uh, P1 was a usurper. Usurpers must be dealt with harshly. That's cold and calculated entirely.
1: Not entirely, because the... uh, uh, Basically, it was a violent outburst. Yes, he was anchored at uh, cheating, but he went to the extent of again just burning this person alive on a moment's whim.
3: That's that can be extremely calculated. All right, all right, hold on. I think I
2: think I will, I will, I will take the steering wheel here. Um. Uh. Uh. As Gene sort of like, uh, like, uh chuckles to himself and and looks toward uh, uh, looks toward her now now how would you react not only after all up until this point we had a very strict policy against these imbeciles from even gracing our doors and yet somehow this one managed to pierce what was supposed to be an impenetrable defense of our organization against such a thing and yet it was allowed to happen and only to find that they had cheated an example had to be made an example had to be shown people needed to know that the king's gambit is not to be trifled with and what better way than to publicly execute in the most noticeable of ways, what better way to show that than not through that, through such a an act or display, excuse me, through such a display and against the, mo- the foremost, and against the foremost, well, frankly, the only individual to have ever achieved such a blasphemy.
1: All right, uh, make me a deception roll, please. And uh, use the stats for a uh, gene that I sent you a while back ago.
2: Uh, 25 wow. total.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I thought I would have a little bit of advantage with the insight on this guy, but no. You you easily, easily just weave this into a natural tale. And with each explained step, just like Asmodai was uh, saying, it you're making this sound perfectly in tune. Despite the failure of the confrontation leading to this uh, execution, you made this sound like a cold and calculated decision that you made on the fly. And you see Fethel just smile and go, why, it appears I was wrong. And it appears that Master has little to worry about. Mm -hmm. And still going up, uh, we see Fethel. How far would that be? Like five feet away, ten feet away. Away from uh, Jean. And it says... She says to Jean, Well, we do have one more thing to discuss before we arrange what is to happen. And...
2: And what would that particular business be?
1: Well, Master Witch wishes to betray the... Jade Hand. His eyes are focused on one of the Syndicate's gangs. He has bad blood with the ruler, the Wild Ones. Are you familiar with him?
2: Kinda like, uh, scoffs, more than I care to know.
1: Roy has taken over a section of blacksmiths, and he's been we working them halfway to death. We've already had two blacksmiths die. We only have eight more. And we see it, this person, not, it doesn't, it's not a full body snake, but its movements are still snake-like as it uh, wobbles back and forth. And uh, it seems like they've been making a lot of equipment and reinforcing them through the process of metamorphosis. They've been hammering fire into form, hammering lightning into spears. He fears that it will upset the balance that we've had during this war, but we've isolated where the problem arises from. They are not holding These men, blade to throat to make them work. No, we haven't seen their families in a while. And you know Roland, he's clever, he knows basic math. And it comes to Jean and it says, we are thinking of taking over the blacksmith's guild and having it in our repertoire. We have many nobles with many arms. Granted, they are far away. We can summon them forth to have more men at arms to help us gain the advantage. But we are only at half of what we need to be. You're our other half. Come on. Why don't you just join under him? He's a smart man. And it waits for a response from Jean.
2: The implication being under under Roland.
1: <laughs> yes. Essentially, he is confident that he can forge an alliance with the Black Eyes, and that will give him enough advantage to either forcibly take you guys over, or he can cut the bullshit and just offer you a hand. He has plans. He's going to put this in motion. And he, by the sounds of it, just like uh, Asmodai's, uh plans to, like ally with other factions it seems like he or uh, roland is trying to create another uh, syndicate another alliance in town
2: uh, he will respond by saying um i would find these conditions amenable but only and he says, points up a finger only if i were permitted to meet with him myself after all If I'm going to potentially serve underneath, I should at least be able to meet, to see the face of one who would be my king.
1: (laughs) And I think at that moment, we just see like a, a flicker right next to Jean. I would say it'd be like a mirage as we see Roland manifest into reality. After a spell invisibility and he looks towards the and goes he He appears to be what he says. He is still undead still Trustworthy, but I have to say and he pats gene on the back quite the violent reaction He had me going there for a second. I thought that I thought a thousand things a thousand possibilities a thousand moves but it seems like you're still the old gene And just to describe what this uh, person looks like, he does wear like a regal attire, like a tunic in a sense. But what's interesting is he has a pauldron on uh, like the right shoulder of him. This is something new that Piwon didn't see before. And it has not a cross, but like uh, the image engraved of a uh, king piece or a chess piece of a king engraved into it It as golden black trim and his colors like contrast that black and gold which i assumed like uh, what the hell is the opposite of yellow whatever's the opposite of yellow and white for clothes we uh yeah we see him as he looks towards the and says you did excellent work Mm. and i think at that moment a bows and it says to uh uh, Jean, my apologies. I had an effect on some of your men. They are not killed, but they are a bit inert at the moment. They're scared.
2: Yeah, just like, uh, in response, uh, will look over to him, it's like, uh, Well, frankly, I w- certainly would have been disappointed if you didn't show your usual sort of caution. <laughs>
1: You always have to think five steps ahead, my friend. Five steps ahead. That's all you need. And he just, like, glides his hand down the table and brushes off a of fettle, And goes, uh, wait for me outside the door, will you? Uh, the men are talking. And we see that, you know, begrudgingly, a fettle with just a sharp glaze in her eyes, just nods and walks outside. And that was... Not only, like, a sexist comment to that being a woman, but even just identifying the difference in status between him as a human and her as a Yanti. And we see Le bon just standing next to Jean at the moment. I'm going to put him on the table as well.
2: So, well, then, if we are going to properly uh, negotiate this particular alliance, won't you take your normal seat? As he just kind of like gestures at the other end.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he nods. He goes, uh, let me double check something just really quick. Okay. Yeah, he yep. He uh, begins walking, goes, old friend how does it go? And again, he's just going to speak to you as he's walking towards the chair. So me and you are just going to have a Slight couple sentences as he keeps moving forward towards the chair. And he asks how Jean is doing.
2: Oh, well, frankly, it has been quite the trip. Especially after yesterday's events, there was a bit of cleanup to do.
1: And he just chuckles along with you. Yeah, I would assume so, I would assume so. That damn bird, I tell you. I can't believe that I lost to that thing. So you think it cheated? What, what formation, what move did you have in that game?
2: It's like, uh, oh, that was his most dastardly ability, is that, uh, it wasn't merely a physical or mechanical trick on the board. It's like, uh, did you ever happen to notice, as during your game, the pieces were not moving quite where you thought you did, or something felt off about the moves you were making?
1: Now that you bring that up, uh, I did sacrifice my queen to be in a more advantageous spot, but the moment I did, I put the queen in the wrong spot. I, I would never do that. And he shakes his head, and he is getting closer to the chair. Well, I'm glad that you dealt with that common rabble. Good riddance, damn bird. And he uh, looks, looks towards Jean. And I think he reaches like the corner of the table, stops for a second, looks at Gene and says, but, yeah, he says, but what are your thoughts on working with the black eyes? Again, just to uh, reiterate what they're proficient in, it's similar to what the Crimson Fist kind of do, except instead of uh, provide protection, they excel at fencing, kind of like a thieves guild. Yeah, aren't they also kind of the thieves guild? A a little yes and a little no. They don't rob people, per se. Not that they wouldn't, but that's not their forte. They uh, deal with uh, valuable goods such as uh, paintings and uh, essentially while the Crimson fist deal with actual magical artifacts, weapons, armor they deal with uh, uh, trinkets, odds and ends Uh, jewelry, and they excel specifically with uh, 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 basically uh, the magic of tattooing. That's the only reason they've been able to, you know, not get obliterated by other gangs is that edge on them. While the Wild Ones have, you know, uh, drugged out uh, wild magic as they fight, they have enhancements with uh, tattooing. But that is the essential gist of what they deal with is a, f- a fencing in the sort.
2: So, well, I'm not going to lie to you. When we originally put this organization together, it's like uh, we had an uh, envision of uh, sitting above all. But, as the Crimson Fist continues to advance their own influences throughout the city and with the ever-looming threat of the Jade Hand even himself, to st- Despite my hesitancy, without alliances, we may very well have been taken over by brute force if we didn't make an action now.
1: And here's the spot that really has me going. And he's approaching, like, you know, the chair now. He's just, like, walking around it slowly. And he says, here's the thing that's caught my eye with the black eyes. It's the fact that they have... A mass-produced artifact that could be used to reduce casualties with fighting on our end. You see, they have this and he tries to like, you know, move his hands to make the shape. They have these pendants, these rings, that can help manifest shadows. I had a Feffel tinker with that a little bit, and this shadow. Could be used as a cannon fodder to protect our men while we slaughter the other men it's the most fascinating thing we could excel against these overwhelming numbers where one person going against three people could take down three people even with a gap of experience this could change the tides of war in this town and Do you have one last thing to say as he attempts to sit down?
3: How are we going to get to work with them? I don't know. How are you so assured this alliance will come to bear fruit? I don't know. Just a suggestion.
2: This this creation seems quite miraculous. How are we going to be able to mass-produce them and acquire them for this purpose? Is it difficult?
1: That is where the blacksmiths come into the picture. The Scorched Hammer... So long as we fix their issue and take out the Wild Ones, we can have an iron grip in this town. It's so simple. And he sits down. Now, Orden, I can't remember if you're here, but I had to go through the numbers for what the Sleep Spell, de- or, uh, how many D8s the Sleep Spell would do, since it is enchanted onto this chair. You will have 32 D8s to roll.
0: Cool. Let me get to clicking. You said 32? 155.
2: It's above average.
1: Yeah, it is definitely above average.
3: What even is that average, Mega? You're better at math than me. Oh, it comes out to be 144. (laughs) One dice, one at fall. It was
0: sticking on 8 until it finally fell off the other dice and rolled a 2.
1: Yeah. Now... I I have a question for you guys. Now this this goes off flawlessly. He he sits down. We see the like uh, these restraints bind him and go over his mouth. He cannot say anything. He cannot do anything. And this is silent. I'm gonna say with how high Ordon rolled it. Now, here's what I'm confused about. Now i'm going to check this really quick just to make sure that it is correct so i i'm gonna unveil something really quick and i kind of want your guys's opinion on this essentially he has a contingency spell with a trigger but now here's the but in that where i'm not sure how to judge this is that i gave him the stipulation of when he is bloodied, he will teleport to a certain location. Essentially, when he reaches half health and below, but I'm pretty sure, like, uh, this is non-lethal damage.
2: Like, essentially, what has happened here is that he is unconscious
0: with his full HP. He's just very relaxed. <laughs> He's feeling good right now.
2: Because, like, sen- essentially, because, like, this is basically the balance here: is that when you use sleep. Uh, they fall unconscious. Now, somebody can take an action to wake them, or they take damage to also be awake. So in the condition where they are awakened, you know, they still have their hit points.
1: Yeah, and this, yeah, okay. That's how it's going to go. And I'm pretty sure uh, being unconscious breaks concentration, doesn't
2: it? Yep.
3: Yep, it breaks concentration.
2: But in, incidentally, contingency is not a concentration spell.
3: Yeah, it's... can contingency is you cast a spell that you know as your contingency so if he somehow has access to a 7th level teleport spell
1: again this is just a contingency and I'm not like I told you guys the triggers but I didn't explain the mechanics behind it but that's the information I'm willing to give you is that uh, I'm gonna say Gene because I'm trying to figure out how that information would get relayed because I did want your guys' opinion on that is uh hmm. here's what i'm gonna say is that un- like unconscious for uh like contingency spells the way he does it uh causes like a, a slight aurora to leak out as it's unsure of whether to trigger or not and i would say like it's just like a slight black glow but you know i'm going to say since gene is a spellcaster he is familiar with the spell So, now it's up to you guys. Right now you have a Feth outside the room. You see that he has... You do know this critical piece of information that he has a spell loaded up in case he might die. It is your decisions what you guys do with this minute.
0: I'd be coming as soon as I noticed him hitting the chair. I'd be going towards the entrance to climb down.
3: Yeah, drop the rope, climb down quietly.
2: Um and and just for just for clarity like uh, as this is happening uh gene will continue uh will continue speaking as though he is still in a conversation with him like starting off with like oh and and technically it's true uh as he says like my my how clever and then just like continue speaking basically basically just in case that uh, uh that the servant is listening in on the other side <laughs> Because yeah, the idea would be that uh, like trying to like uh, maintain the ruse as long as possible. <laughs> does Jean have dispel magic? Ah, uh, he does not. <laughs> what? Although, incidentally, dispel magic would be the worst choice in this situation.
3: Oh, uh, well, it depends on it, how you rule it because it technically says you have to target a magical effect. It doesn't necessarily dispel every single magical effect.
2: Well, here's the thing: like, dispel magic does have the ability to dispel every magical effect it is capable of.
1: Uh, hang on, I I just want to clarify again. I already gave you all the information, like what kind of spell he had cast, what kind of trigger it has. Um, I might as well just clarify. Uh, Asmodee, that was just a slip up on my end trying to describe Dimension Door. Gotcha. But again, it, this is what he has set up. You guys know it um, for the love of God. Help me try to narratively make that make sense. But he he's just unconscious on the chair. And I just imagine a slight black Aurora as the spell tries to trigger, but it can't because he is unconscious, but it doesn't meet the triggers that he set. So you guys have a minute. You guys can do what you wish.
0: Rush to over to his per- person and yeah. look for the wand that he. Or mentioned. basically
2: anything that, like, besides the wand, just anything that looks like it could be used as a focus.
3: <laughs> yeah, grab his com- grab his focus and any sort of component pouch he has on him. I'm specifically looking for the wand.
1: Yeah, you you easily do that. Uh, you guys take the component pouch. Uh, P1, you grab the wand, and the moment you grab the wand uh what's the best way to describe this it's not bad it's not bad just clarify guys uh you feel even though like there's no windows in this room like a sudden draft seemed to come out of nowhere and it it feels like an ethereal hand is grasped over your own as you hold this wand and it kind of pushes it lets you decide but it kind of makes you want to grip this more and more because even though this is made out of metal i would say the metal would be closer to copper or bronze and if you were to tap into your magic you could break this wand and you have a feeling that it could have an effect on your character if you so desire you can have this as an item or destroy it and gain a power from it what does P1 do?
2: Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh with the in character decision. Um, in that uh, as Gray would already know, like uh, P1 would opt to destroy the item
3: in order to gain an ability. <laughs> you doing that now though, like when we still got possibly a fight ahead of us.
1: If that's what you desire, uh, you break the wand we hear like the clicking of the wand in your hand and the moment like kind of like high noon before you hear a grandfather clock start to uh dong through the house we hear that momentary pause and you just snap that wand in your hand and you just feel a gust of wind burst from the seams of the now broken wand as an ethereal yeah an ethereal colorful wind iridescent every color you can imagine just goes into dragonborn style and you gain this and it goes straight to the gem on his hand
2: yeah it's just as he as he takes this in and just like uh it's like a like uh looks kind of like you know, looks at the unconscious body of uh of, of roland and kind of like uh, says under his, and kind of like says under his breath, ah, didn't know what you had, did you? Well, no use getting back now. Hmm.
3: <laughs> All right, so we got a minute. We can't talk too loudly because we got someone on the other side of the door. What the heck are we gonna gonna do with him? Because that contingency makes it very hard to just slit his throat. Um, well, that instant dies. <laughs>
0: Uh oh. well, I I mean it was my invention. I could disable it and we could act like he fell asleep. He was just so exhausted.
3: We have him pinned. Here's the thought. Uh and
2: in fact uh in fact uh, specifically P1 is going to uh to message uh Oridon. Um uh like specifically use the use the message cantrip. Yep. Uh do you think this chair would fit in one of your little holes so wait can i message back you you can respond to
3: this message <laughs> oh my gosh put him in the bag of holding and then he just <laughs> stuff him in the bag of holding and then the dimension door to activate he goes somewhere in the demi plane but he still suffocates
0: <laughs> yeah well I, i'm gonna look over to p1 and as i'm messaging him back give a wink as my message said well, it depends what hole you wanted.
2: <laughs> He'll smile, and uh, you'll hear another message. But, uh, I do believe the best way to get around this would simply be to ensure that he goes someplace where he can't come back.
3: <laughs> oh, you can do the enlarge on that, and shove the chair in there. Or, well, we really don't even need to shove the chair, he's unconscious. We can do it quickly, but Cher would make sure he definitely can't get out.
0: Well, do we want to reduce him or enlarge the bag?
2: Um, I think, I think technically, uh, and this is up to honestly, this is up to Gray. Um, uh, do you would you consider an unwilling target still being able to make a save against a spell?
1: An unwilling target to make a save against a spell, of course. Unconscious.
2: Because okay. normally reducing, normally reducing somebody uh, requires a, uh, I believe constitution saving throw. Disadvantage. Uh,
1: It'd just be disadvantage. That's the best way I can see it. If you're gonna force a throw, like, this swings both ways and I could easily see you guys being unconscious one day and this biting you in the ass. So, disadvantage.
2: It's like, uh...
0: Yeah, let's just enlarge the bag then attempt them move into it.
2: Oh no, even better though. It's like, uh, you're going to, you're going to enlarge the bag and then P1 will, like, uh, wave his hand and attempt to uh, attempt to reduce Roland, <laughs> just to okay. make it infinitely easier to fit this man in that bag.
1: <laughs> Alright, and you said there was con save?
2: If I'm remembering correctly, it's a con save, but I will go ahead and post the spell.
1: Yep. Um... I'll make two rolls disadvantage with con. Oh, fuck, he would've gotten at 20 on one of them. Alright, let's see. No, he just got 10. He doesn't have any bonuses to his con.
2: Yeah, so the bag is larger and as P1 just like uh waves his right hand over over roland's body like uh his body like uh shrinks down to a smaller size and technically not fitting in the chair anymore but we kind of don't need him to be in the chair anymore
1: <laughs> did we totally clear his person uh to the best of your knowledge i mean he just had the component pouch and uh the wand on him uh no, I don't even think he would have brought cash to this. There's nothing he was going to buy on the way here.
2: Or a crown.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. He did have the gem, didn't he? Yep.
2: Yes, his crown on him. Yeah, that is important, actually.
1: <laughs> uh, wait, I thought, feel... no, we have yeah. the crown.
2: Or no,
3: excuse me, the gem. Excuse me, the gem.
1: You have the crown. He has the gem. Yes, you guys.
3: Oh, yeah, the gem. We need the gem for the crown. That's right.
1: Yep. Right, I'm not going to lie. I just always have it in my head that I can fuck with messages, but I keep forgetting about the fucking gem. So yes, you take out the gem and you have both sets. This, like, I would say it sparks like a memory within Jean when everything went to hell and both of them were trying to figure out how they could survive, how the nobles could survive after the collapse. And they devised this enchantment with both their powers, but it's something they couldn't create alone that they could only create together. And the powers got separated into both these gems. And you have both, like, essentially acts like, a, best way to put it, like a radio tower or broadcast, or yeah, some kind of tower that broadcasts a signal. It'll, it will attract nearby messages. So, so
0: who's holding the gem? I mean,
2: by all rights, uh, P one would be holding on to it.
1: <laughs> hmm.
2: He is the king of black.
3: <laughs> yes, and I'm gonna be the king in white. <laughs> hmm.
1: This thing does not require any toonement, it is just a natural magical effect that happens with these stones.
3: I'm not gonna lie, I really want it, but uh, that that can be discussed later.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, there's two fucking gems.
3: Oh, I have the other crown. If, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, if you recall, you have the other crown. <laughs> I just never put it on because I assumed you were holding on to it until we got the other one. <laughs>
1: I thought Gene had it on the entire time, but it was fine.
3: No, I grabbed it when I knocked it off
2: his head. Well Gene would probably would have had it for the this particular encounter, but
3: Yes, I
1: would have given it back. This can be uh, described post. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, editing like, you know, like the yeah, continuing on the scene, like uh the bag has been enlarged, the man has been reduced and relieved of his of the contents of his pockets. Yep. And essentially what P1 will do is he will just, like, uh, lift him up, put him into this bag, and just, like, sort of, like, uh, hand wave to Ordon.
3: Well, go ahead and split it. He didn't have anything else. He didn't have, like, a crest or, like, anything like that um, on his person. I'm curious if he would have had, like, a control rune or something for that collar. Uh, okay. Well, once he suffocates in a few days.
2: Oh no, we don't even need to. We don't even need to suffocate him. The idea here is that, uh, as a fun fact for everybody, uh, if you if you split a bag of holding while some things are inside of it, they do not come spilling forth. They get dumped into the plane.
3: Whoa! Wait. You want to break the bag of holding?
0: Yeah, it's. He can literally just make another one. <laughs> it's an effusion, so it's not really like a special one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just. The way you made it sound was like this was heresy of the highest degree.
0: No, because.
2: This is literally a disposable bag of holding.
3: Yeah, because I'm thinking of something else that Megan knows of. Uh,. Basically, you create a black hole.
2: No, no, no. Uh, up up front, I will never participate in those shenanigans, but this is a situation.
3: No, it's not an explosion. You, you don't want to create a black hole?
2: No, but, but I will take advantage of this particular mechanic of we don't want this guy being able to escape if he takes enough damage, and the best way to get rid of him completely is to just throw him in a plane where he won't be able to escape from.
1: Okay. So he's inside the bag. You guys shrink him, enlarge the bag, cover him and tie it up, and...
0: Then reduce the bag because I break my concentration so it's smaller. Uh, I'm holding the bag, so I am going to attempt to rip the bag with my bare hands.
3: I mean, can't you just end the infusion on
1: it? Uh, no. Again, it's kind of like an Ouroboros Eden itself. It The bag doesn't it just disappear it folds in on itself and gets smaller and smaller until it just vanishes now explain to me so he's in a, another plane of existence a pocket
3: it is a pocket dimension that is unique to that bag of holding okay it is a semi-plane well
2: okay okay i this, this is the part i need to explain here because not everybody reads this part because they usually just skip over to the part where you make a black hole uh, but essentially, if the bag is ever ripped or torn, the contents don't spill out into the actual plane where you where you are. It spills into the astral sea, which is another plane of existence. So, even if even if he takes damage enough damage and uh, you know his contingency activates for a dimension door, uh, it is a completely different plane of existence. So all he would do was t- is
3: teleport 500 feet in that plane. Oh, and the Astral Sea is uh, home to a lot of nasty, nasty things. Uh, and he has no focus and no component pouch.
0: And he's still asleep.
3: Yeah, if the bag is overloaded, pierced or torn, it ruptures and is destroyed, and its contents are scattered in the Astral Plane. And That's what we just did. Essentially, we just made sure he's never coming back. That is the T-L-D-R. <laughs> See, I would I, I would have liked to wait uh, a few minutes to make sure he's suffocated and then tear the bag, but eh. well, no, he he'll wake up in a minute,
2: and he and you get a number of uh, and you get a number of minutes equal to uh, one plus your constitution modifier, which he would wake up before the spell ended, or you know he would wake up before the spell ended.
0: Well, he's out of sight, out of mind. Let's put the past in the past.
3: Okay, what do we do about? this snake I have an idea but I don't know she's going to be cooperative we do have the element of surprise
2: well if I know one thing about slaves is that all of them is that all of them wish to not
3: (laughs) yep that was what I that is what I was thinking I'm so with your help be ready for a fight but uh, I'm gonna walk to the door okay and I'm gonna open the door Yep. And I'm going to say... What was her name again? I'm sorry, it was a weird one. Fephel. Miss Fephel, if you would uh, come in, please.
1: And she looks behind, <laughs> sees that the chair is missing, Roland's no longer in sight, Gears clicking in her head. She looked, looks towards Asmodei. She knows who Asmodei is, looks to p knows who P1 is, These Jean just expressionless I would assume at this point. And I think the smartest decision for her is to nod slowly and walk into the room.
3: Yes, and as a note, Asmodei does not have a weapon in hand.
1: Yes, that's very important. Like I think that was that was the key factor between her deciding am I gonna have to kill these people or is there open room for discussion? So walks in, everything's
0: fine. And uh, if he's got, before he opens up the door and does that, I'm casting Invisibility on myself.
3: It is quite a fortuitous day for yourself. Um, your master has gone on a trip.
1: A trip to where?
2: A trip that he won't be returning from.
1: Not its head. Well, ever. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. That just cuts our deal short. That's all. And again, just mindlessly walking like she did the first talk to the books. Just trying to take her mind off of what just. or what you guys are describing that he will never come back. And that you guys did it so silently, without blood, or any visible resistance. You guys have intimidated this Yonti. So.
3: We. Well, it sounds like that you were, looking at the color, that you were a slave. And uh, slavery is something that is not something I'm a very big fan of.
1: Well, that makes one of us. A slave is a very bold term to describe my circumstances. I was sentenced to live to be useful rather than to die.
3: Indentured servitude. Is roughly the same thing. The
1: the difference is, is I had freedom. Limited, but a bit of freedom. And going through the books again, she says, I would agree for you about slavery if it were not for gnomes. And she thumps through a couple pages in one of the books. Those dastardly little shits. And begins to... Take
3: her mind off of this! Yes, they are quite troublesome. Uh, the reason that we are not attacking you is, uh... I'm curious if you see... It is my opinion, when one is shackled with a collar around their neck... Albeit maybe limited freedoms you do have, you are not truly free. I am willing to undo these... However slight you want to call it, bondage. In exchange for... Cheering me out.
1: And she knocks on the wood a couple of times and just begins to sit down and says, You have my ear.
0: This has been House Common Blood, the intro and outro music by Savik, Oh My Dog. Any music and sound effects used in the episode of Royalty Free. Credits can be found in the episode description. Please review us on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be using. And if you like us, tell other people. Word by mouth is the best way for us to grow. Thank you for joining us and welcome to hell.